Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today I'm delighted to be joined by our chief medical officer, Craig Joseph, who is working at Nordic Consulting. In fact, it's not really Craig. We're just uh, we're representing him with chat GPT and we're uh, reproducing his voice. Craig, thanks for joining me today. It is a pleasure to be with you, Nick. That's <laughs> yeah, me so- doing a Nick, that was me pretending to be Chat GPT. Yeah, you uh, don't, 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 don't uh, call Hollywood. Nick, it's you? really me. It's really me, Craig. <laughs> so, um, as as we do each and every uh, month, we're focusing on news you can use, and who cannot have spotted what's been going on with Chat GPT? In fact, if Chat GPT was a person, they all they needed to do was to put their underpants on the outside, and they'd be a super super uh, uh, being. They're able to do everything, right? Chat GPT is, um, it's pretty, I, I, you know, we were preparing for this uh, and I told you I, it's the most amazing thing and the stupidest thing all at the same time. <laughs> and uh, and I say that with all due respect to uh, OpenAI who created Chat I'm GPT. sorry, anybody that says with all due respect means the complete opposite. With all just... due respect, <laughs> Nick. No, it's um, it, it's really quite disturbing it reminds me of um google you know when when one learned that you could type in this box and try to find information and you could do a really bad job of telling it what you wanted and it would still give you what you wanted much of the time and and it got a lot better and and that's what i chat gpt seems to be now the key thing is it's really really dumb and so all it's doing is trying to predict. Once it writes one word, it's it's using its incredible database and learning to predict what the next word is that a human would want to read. And so um, I think it's it's uh, really good for some things. If you're looking for facts, it's really really bad. You think it, I, so? I, I would have said facts would be a basic thing for Chat GPT. That's just going off, fetching, looking, finding relationships, not doing anything special. Well, the problem is it's trained on the internet. And so there's a lot of stuff on the internet that's just incredibly wrong. And so, yeah, it's uh, um, it can't discern, at least at this stage, right? Um, it can't discern what is, is uh, real from what someone said. It's all the same, it's all weighted the same. And so I think that's that's part of the problem. It's, it's um, you know, I, I think I asked it once to write it once, like it's been for years, maybe last month, I asked it to write a <laughs> uh, write a blog post for me on some healthcare IT subject that I consider myself pretty expert in. And uh, it was pretty good. Um, so I didn't take it, but I think it it's a, it's a great tool to kind of um, start you in the direction. And then, you know, for you to, to take it over, if you ask it a specific question, uh, oftentimes, uh, which are, you know, which are a factually based question, it's, it, it might or might not get the right answer, but it's going to sound like it knows exactly what it's, what it's talking about. It'll be very authoritative, but it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, shouldn't hold any weight in, in anyone's mind. 
You say that, but it, it took and passed the USMLE, the uh, medical examination, right? So we could trust it with medicine. It did pass um, all three parts of the <laughs> of the United States medical license. So hold yeah. on, before we go into this, let's just put this in perspective. That's a three-part examination that takes place over years for years. a medical student. In their first couple of years, they do part one. In the uh, third and fourth, they do part two. And then when they're working as residents, part three. And it took all three of them and passed. It did. Now, let's be clear, Nick. It didn't get the top score, okay? So, <laughs> no, but it is. So, yeah. It, We're not uh, going Ivy League, then. It was, it, it's, <laughs> it's scary. Um, so... Again, you know, as I understand it, it's there to predict what the words are that you that you want. And so it does have some ability to to do that in an uncanny way. And it did get passing scores on these tests. And uh, you're right. Like the first one is basic science. So it's two years of medical school and you take a test. And and this thing um, got uh, I don't think it did gloriously well, but it did it did get above the the minimum score. So I don't I don't know what to think. I I I, I do know this for sure. Uh, I have asked it questions that I knew the answers to, and it was dead wrong. Just the opposite answer of what was. Are you sure? Yeah, you're, <laughs> now you're implying it was maybe me that was wrong. Well, it's, I I always think there's a distinct possibility. I'm just saying. I'm I've not been wrong before, uh, but it <laughs> might it might happen sometime. No, I know these were things. These were facts that uh, you could find on Google, actually, if you look. Oh, oh um, right. Oh, so you got it from Google. Well, that settles it then, definitely. Oh, not just from <laughs> Google. Still, the fact that this this uh, AI could, you know, pass this test and and um, it writes quite well. Whether you agree with what it says, you know, it knows what a paragraph is, and it and it changes up the 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 tempo, and it it really. Um, uh, is a is a huge tool, and I think uh, there's you know there's certainly been a lot talking about Chat GPT not only with health but also education. Um, how can a, how can you know if someone's uh, written an essay? You can ask it to write you a very complicated essay, and it will write that. Again, some of it will be accurate, some of it will be um, insanely off. At this point, I was just listening to a program over the weekend that said Chat or GPT four. So I guess chat GPT is based on GPT-3. GPT-4 should be coming out uh, in, in about a year or a little less than a year. And it's uh, apparently supposed to be significantly better than what we're seeing. And what we're seeing is pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't think doctors have to worry about getting fired and being replaced by a computer at this point. Well, and, uh, you know, uh, joking aside, I mean, let, let's talk about some of the specifics. I mean, there's, I, I, first of all, I, I'm not sure I agree with you that it's just trying to predict the next word that you want to see. I think there's a little bit deeper uh, capabilities. And, you know, I picked it to try and pull together some programming for me in Python, which it did a I, I want to say a, a bang up job. Now, let's be clear. That's maybe because I'm woeful at programming these days because my programming skills have, uh, have withered a little bit on the vine. But it, it, I, it, was, it was very impressive. I think it answers some pretty useful questions. You brought up the issue of education, and I think people are concerned 
you know, we should come back to the USMLE because that whole medical education thing, I think, raises a different issue in my mind. But let's talk about the plagiarism or, well, no, it's not plagiarism anymore. I think that's the beauty of this. Write me an essay for, you know, whatever, 5,000 words. And it, it was starting to become the educational tool for people to bypass the work that was being required. That was right up until, uh, I think it was Edward Tian, I think his name was, he was at Princeton, who decided that, you know, he was going to make himself super popular and create an app that would detect whether whatever you submitted was uh, produced by ChatGPT. And I'm thinking, wow, I just, even if I'd done that, I don't think I would have published it, but okay. Um, so now there's a, an app to detect the app. <laughs> Yeah, which feels like we could keep on going, but it raises the issue, and this is true in medicine as well as just generally. We're trying, we're asking people to do this rote stuff. It doesn't require thought and intelligence. And you know, if you've read the book, I think uh, David Epstein um, Range, which talks about you know this this narrow specialization and the way that we teach. And that's not what we're good at. We're good at this range. And in fact, when you stop people from learning and force them to make errors in a whole testing environment, this was, you know, and he gives lots of examples. They actually remember and do much, much better in the long term, but not in the short term. And that, for me, is what I draw out of all of this. And I would say the same for medicine. You know, what do we teach our physicians to do? It's all this rote memorization of, you know, Krebs cycle and all these things that do apply, but it's about memorizing it and then reproducing it quickly, which is not what we want humans to be doing. So maybe it's going to create a conversation about what we should be teaching and how we should use these tools to augment versus to replace. I, I uh, Someone wrote that... Um... Chat GPT, I don't think this was an original thought, but I loved it. Chat GPT is not going to replace physicians. Chat GPT is going to replace physicians with physicians who use Chat GPT. Um, <laughs> so again, it's to your point, uh, and I'm sure I didn't say that as, as smoothly as it, as it was written. Um, it's a good tool. And if you're not going to use the tool in an effective way, you are going to be replaced by people who will. And and it will take the lift off of a, a lot of uh, um, of the work that you do that doesn't really bring a lot of uh, benefit. And I agree. It's the same with we've often said. Well, it's often been said that that radiologists and pathologists who stare at images uh, all day long are are on their way out uh, because uh, AI and other tools can find problems and identify them. Um, better than the human eye. I, I think that as a, as a tool, it will probably help them to focus on the things that are really important and the things that are obvious and, and don't need specialized skill. Those are going to be less, uh, those are going to be, you know, let, let the computer do that work. And same thing. I, you know, I don't have any problem, especially with, uh, you know, creativity, like, Oh, I want to write about something. I have this idea and I have to have some tool that says, here, well, let's, Let's start you off um, and give you some ideas and point you in some direction. I yeah, no more writer's block, right? I mean, that's one of the things that even some of the most uh, established, brilliant writers of our time talk about, or at least I've heard them talk about, the challenge of uh, creating something. I think the good news is it, it will create 
content that you can potentially use. And, you know, you could probably fob it off as your own content. I haven't actually tried that yet. I was thinking about doing it, but I wasn't really sure how to sort of approach it. But anyway, I, I think overall, very interesting. We're definitely going to see more. It reminds me a lot in the speech world when Siri showed up and everybody said, oh, my God, speech actually works. I, and you know, we're really starting to use it. Even my wife uses it in the house. And that's a pretty significant step in the technology direction. I, I'm sort of, although I was downstairs listening to her issuing commands that weren't being followed. So I actually pulled up the app and made it happen. And she was completely unaware. But anyway. <laughs> wow, like Oz. I was behind the curtain, <laughs> uh, but I was just, I didn't want to upset the progress, the technical progress that I think we were making. Anyway, for those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today, I'm talking to uh, not ChatGPT, Dr. Craig Joseph, the chief medical officer of Nordic Consulting. Um, we uh, spent the first part of the program really, I, I think, diving into the potential for this AI, this interactive element. And I think, um, you know, as Craig eloquently uh, described, uh, it is augmenting, not replacing. And I think if you don't use it, you're going to struggle because you'll feel left out. Uh, the calculator is one of those areas. I remember when the calculator, oh no, can't, we'll, we'll all lose our math capabilities. And if you look at testing as it was long time back to how it is now, actually, I would have trouble with some of the testing because everybody's elevated. You know, we've elevated and, you know, we perform better um, functional use of all of these tools. So um, leaving that behind us, let's talk, if we could, briefly. Uh, I, and I know we're going to, well, at least I'm going to be unpopular. It depends on what you say, but I'll, I'll just be unpopular and say, I'm sorry, but COVID seems to be on the rise again. And just to be clear, it's not just a, a regular condition. And I've seen it happen actually, you know, personally, closely with a friend of mine, uh, another physician who not only was fully vaccinated, uh, but got it, um, actually got it, you know, in one of the cycles and then got it a second time. And he's been really, really unwell, despite the fact that he's had all his vaccinations and he's got a dose of his own uh, antibodies from having COVID. We're now seeing it again. I'm wearing a mask in certain situations. How about you? Well, I've continued to wear a mask whenever I uh, hit the front door of an airport and, um, and uh, keep it on uh, during much of the airplane ride, but I haven't started wearing masks in other places. And I think that might be because I don't generally go where there's huge crowds of people, you know, coughing on me. I, I might wear a mask there to decrease my chances of, of getting any kind of respiratory mm. disease. And uh, again, let's emphasize, uh, decrease my chances. It doesn't mean if I'm wearing a mask, uh, even if it's a really good one, um, that I, I'm not going to get anything. It just means that I'm decreasing my chances. And I think oftentimes that's that that makes a lot of sense. The, we're getting, though, I think differing um, perspectives, like dueling data, you know, um, the numbers of, uh, of you know, different uh, COVID strains uh, and the numbers of infection are going up. That is true. However, we're seeing not significant increases, but even sometimes decreases in hospitalizations and, and death, right? And so it depends on what you're looking at and over what period of time, and it changes from week to week. But we are not seeing hospitals filling up, in the United States at least, with patients with COVID. And so how do you, 
how do you kind of think about it when a you hear about people getting sick who are fully vaccinated and have gotten their boosters and have even had the in your in that your friend's case had the disease um and still just got knocked on 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 his butt and and we always worry about long covid still right. something we don't really understand very well why some people not even sure how many but some people get it and uh whether they're vaccinated or not whether they're young or not some people seem to have problems for months and months and months and and um we don't know enough to be able to predict who that is or i don't think we have great treatments for it we're supporting them uh but it's uh it's scary it is scary but there's not the, the option is not really there to um to sit in your house anymore uh i guess that's always been an option but it's not one that i want to want to entertain no so. that's that's not survivable for the human race we're we're very social animals we need that interaction i think one of the papers that i saw i wish i could place my finger on the precise title and and journal but actually looked at the virus presence in uh, postmortems and discovered it in innumerable body systems and by the way still active infective not just you, you know residual pieces of it and i think you know the reason i bring that up because you raised rightly this long covid i have a number of friends who've both suffered it and continue to suffer from it so you know not to be discounted as in their head which you know sadly i know some people uh, experiences some of the pushback but you know it's a significant problem and it seems like this particular virus hangs out in a, a, a lot of different places so if you've had it it may still be hanging out now craig feel free to answer this in you know uh, your best monty python voice but i'm going to ask you are, are you a, a covid virgin oh that's a that's a very sensitive question nick that's a very personal question <laughs> That's oh, you can't do it. I, All right, no, I, I can't. I'll no, do the voice for you. Go, I'm not going to do it when I'm on a on a on a uh, a show with a uh, a honest to goodness uh, ex Brit uh, who can do the accent better than me. Um, that is a personal question. Uh, I will answer it though. I think so. That's my answer. I think. Okay. So. Um, I, I'll tell you this. My back when it was hard to get tests. Um, I had some home tests. I had like one or two. My wife had uh, a my, minor mild cold that she was just, well, it's just a cold. It couldn't possibly be anything else. So I said, well, let's, let's test. And, and I had done many rapid strep tests as a pediatrician, but never a rapid COVID test. So I read the instructions very clearly. It said, you have to you know do this and then put the Q-tip in and put the liquid in and then wait 15 minutes and then read it. <laughs> and I did all those things except for the waiting 15 minutes. Cause I watched the liquid move across the little screen and uh, before it even hit the control, it was positive. It was as blue as you could. This be. was for her. For her. Right. And I had at the same time a post-nasal, what I would call like, oh, it's just a little post-nasal drip. Right. I didn't, I, I said, I don't want to waste a test on myself uh, at that because, point because yeah. I couldn't get any more <laughs> and I didn't know if I was. Um, so I think I did have it, but I've never proven that I had it. That's where I'm at. Hmm. What else? Are there any other personal questions, uh, Doctor? No, no. I and you know, in fairness, having asked you, I will say that I I am clearly not. And in fact, interestingly, I, I, I this was later in the experience, and it's made me. I've got to be honest, a little bit leery of going to. I I so I actually took 
and passed and became a, a professional contact tracer. So I did my own contact tracing when I got COVID that was proven out by the test. And in fact, I had the same experience that your wife did. I didn't need to wait. I watched my line and it was, wow, solid as anything and very quick. But it was from a restaurant. And, you know, there was nothing extraordinary. But of course, to eat without protecting yourself is kind of difficult. And this was uh, something of a challenge. So I'm, I'm absolutely not. But I do know, you know, based on that experience, and I, I had a number of really awful symptoms, you know, unrelated or in other body parts that uh, I just... I would not have expected that seemed to be all attributable to that, that I would say, gosh, you know, it, it, I definitely lay there. And one day I never got out of bed, never wanting to have this again. So I, I'm definitely a bit leery um, and doing everything that I can, but um, it, it's out there. So a uh, couple of other things. So we've seen that uh, a lot of layoffs going on and, you know, I, I a lot of talk about the technology. I don't know if this, this is the same in, in healthcare, um, but a lot of layoffs. And, you know, first of all, let me say, I'm, I, I feel bad for anybody that's been laid off at any point in time. Having been through that experience, that's no fun for anyone. But, you know, life is like a river. It keeps flowing past and good things will come down the track. But any thoughts about that for healthcare and where we're going? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a little scary um, from the tech standpoint because it's always been hiring, hiring, hiring. And when the pandemic first started and everyone was at home and needed technology to facilitate staying at home, you know, you couldn't be hired fast enough if you had a, some tech experience. And now it seems like uh, there's a lot of companies who are like, yeah, we don't need that many people. Uh, and so I think uh, for some, it's a it's for sure, they're kind of readjusting and getting back to um, levels that are probably needed. I suspect, and it's not an original thought, that there might be some companies out there that are just like, mm, this might be a good time to uh, offer, uh, to decrease our our, our um, the number of our employees, our workforce, um, and not take any bad press because everyone's doing it. So mm, yeah. it's, it's not to be blamed. So I think there's a little bit of that as well you know, kind of just cut when you can. Um, in terms of healthcare, well, there are some hospitals that are that are cutting some people, but uh, by and large, uh, if you've got healthcare experience, uh, it's a it's a pretty good time. You may not be working where you want or making the money that you want, but uh, there there's work out there for for clinical folks, which is which is good. And I think also that a lot of the people that are being laid off, not all for sure, but a lot of them are finding work at other uh, tech jobs in 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 a reasonable amount of time. So, but I agree with you. It's a horrible thing to happen, and and it and it really feels badly when it's happening to you. Yeah, I, th I, I good point you make there. I, I've seen that in other instances where it's hey, this is an opportunity. What, what I did see in the news, a number of articles I read actually suggested that whilst they're you know those are they're pretty substantial numbers for even those large organisations, but they're actually still up on where they were prior to the pandemic. So it's not as if this is a complete shrinkage and gosh, things are, you know, it's this big negative turnaround. I don't think that's the case. I, I'm, you know, in the healthcare space, obviously the challenge is that we're seeing shortages of workers across, you know, different areas. 
Um, I, I'm very troubled by the continued pounding that rural healthcare takes and, you know, the struggle to attract. And, you know, any time that a rural healthcare facility is closed or changed to something lesser, uh, that kills a community, or at least it, it seems to in my experience. And, you, you know, we want to expand and, you know, increase that. We have to find ways to sort of turn that around that's going to really deliver community as well as healthcare into these uh, rural settings. And it's not just about telehealth um, and, you know, virtualization and, you know, refer to the big mothership, in my view. It needs to be creating something in that community. But um, anyway, as as we do each and every week, um, uh, we've run out of time. So uh, as usual, it just remains for me to thank uh, you, Craig, for putting up with my uh, cheeky remarks and poor accent uh, uh, and impersonations and accusing you of being a chat GPT. Craig, thanks as always for joining me today. Hang on. I'm, I'm asking chat GPT to say something sarcastic. Hang on. Let's give me another. All right, fine. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Oh, that was perfect. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at DrNick1 on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. <laughs> <laughs>